the next time. We'll get some evidence. <laughs> right, so this, um, this evening, I want to share this. I want to be quick, as quick as possible, because um, tonight's an anointing service. Amen. Uh, thanks to everyone that shared the prophetic words. They're spot on. God is busy preparing us for something. And so I want to talk about apostles and prophets. Um, two of the fivefold ministry giftings. Um, and um, Anton was sharing about um, the least in this kingdom, in the New Covenant kingdom, is more than John the Baptist. And we just need a revelation of that again. That's massive. You know, that's massive. That's what Jesus said about us in this dispensation. So um, I'm really trusting that God would shift something. And the word about the chains and the greater ministry, I believe that God wants to do it as a corporate for us tonight. We're going to go to the next stage, I believe, as we just yield to what God is doing. And so God, one of the scriptures that I really have been living my life, um, you know, it's like really close to my heart, and that's how I live life, is the scripture where Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Because my Father is working. And I, honestly can, I, I can honestly say, I don't know how I'll do ministry if it wasn't for the fact that God is moving. Right? I can't do anything. I can't conjure up and, you know, get people psyched up and passionate, you know, I, I don't have those skills, you know, God does that, you know, and God really, you know, moves, and it's amazing because God is moving and He's always moving, you know, it's, and it's always amazing when you, when you meet someone, you know, perhaps on an evangelistic outreach or maybe they've come to Christ, you always talk to them and you'll, they'll always say something to, of the sorts of, um, it's amazing because God like was doing things in my life. You know, before you came to speak to me, this and this happened, and I had this dream. And it's so weird, and it will be completely unspiritual people, completely unsaved, but they'll recognize that God's hand was already in their life. And this was like, you know, when they come to Christ, this will be like the climax. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this guy that I met, and he said similar things to me. This God did this, God did this. And I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to say, well, God's going to intensify this. And he was like unsaved. Still, when I spoke to him afterwards. Um, and he phoned, I gave him my number. He phoned me two nights, two or three nights later, in the middle of the night. And he said, this strange thing happened. He was high on drugs. He saw the devil. And then God's presence just filled the room. And he completely sobered up. And he had this like intense fear. But it wasn't a fear of the devil. It was a fear of God. And his, 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 his buddies thought he'd gone crazy, hallucinating on his drugs and whatever. But he knew he had an encounter with God. God came and he met him in that place. And then he had another dream. And he just, you know, he, he phoned me and he said, you know, God is doing stuff in my life and I have to now. I have to. I cannot go back to the life that I lived because God was moving. So God is moving, amen. Amen. And, and in the same way that he moved when you came to salvation, he doesn't stop, right? Sometimes we get this idea, well, like he was really moving. He needed to get my attention and then he stopped. You know, he moved on to other people that need him more. Now, God, he's always busy. He's always moving. And some of you, you need to cultivate again that awareness of what is Jesus doing in your life? What is he busy doing in his and I believe, and I'm actually going to pray for us now, that God would just reveal to us what has He been doing this week. Because He sets you up. Did you know that? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the things that Jesus said. Show us now, Lord. Show every person in this place now what have you been doing in our lives. Thank you, God, as that song that Nell sang. It's so prophetic. It's so for this moment, Lord. Lord, you, you, you will hunt us. You'll not let us go. You'll wrestle with us. God, even if we get stuck in things, you'll come and fetch us. God, you're not passive. You're not passive in our lives. You are there. And so some of us, Lord, we've even forget, forgotten. We, we didn't see it. We didn't notice it. But I pray in this, in this service and in this coming week that you would reveal the hand of God. Thank you for, Lord, as many of the prophets of old said, the mighty hand of God. Let us be those that say the mighty hand of God and see it daily in Jesus' name. And so I want you to partner and become a partner. That's what Jesus invites us into, into partnership. He doesn't want slaves. He doesn't want servants. Our hearts are hearts of a servant. Jesus came to serve this world as a servant, but, but we're not slaves. We're heirs with God. We partners with Him. He does the work. We join um, with Jesus. And so I'm talking about the apostolic and the prophetic. Now, the apostolic is what, what, what um, is the gift, uh, the office that the, uh, that the disciples were called to. The 12 disciples, they all became apostles, of course, apart from Judas. They all became apostles. Now, I want to remind you of the transformation. And, you know, we often say today, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? It's a good thing because sometimes people have this negative connotation about what it means to be a Christian, but be followers of Jesus. But before Pentecost, these guys were followers of Jesus, right? They were just followers of Jesus, and then they became apostles. Massive transformation, right? They was, before that, they were followers of Jesus, but now that there was a shift. There was a shift that happened in their lives, and there was this massive shift, you know, where they started doing miracles and, and you know, signs and wonders followed them. Um, now, the apostles and the prophets are the generals of the church, right? They're the generals of the church. And so, if you look at the modern-day church, and there's, there's a lot of research done about this, but the, the, the general gifting profile of the modern-day church is of a pastor-teacher, right? Mostly, that is the person that leads the church, is the pastor teacher and, and that is what happens on the pulpit is um, teaching and caring for the sheep um, and those are two of the five uh, fold ministries Ephesians chapter 4 says that all these gifts all five have been given for the maturity of the saints so they're all necessary they're all crucial but now the the, the pastors and this is what I believe I see in scripture the pastors the teachers they have been given to the church to make sure that the church is nurtured. The, the congregation is together in unity and in strength. The church is a family in essence, right? But now the apostles and the prophets have been given to the church, and we'll see later, they're actually supposed to be the leaders of the church. The scripture says 1 Corinthians that it's, it's supposed to be first apostles, then prophets, and then only come the other gifts. Right, so the apostles and the pro uh, apostles need to lead the church, and so 
the difference is those, the first two giftings, they're there to make sure that the church of God is a family. Um, but the apostles and prophets are to make sure that the church is an army. Right? And so, so one of the things that you see, and we'll read the scripture just now, one of the first things that you see happening with the first church is that great fear came upon the people. Right? Firstly, great fear came upon the demonic world, right? Signs and wonders, demons were fleeing. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Um, lots of you know, manifestations happened because this, the, the spiritual realm was fearing and trembling for this group of people that resembled God. Right? It was unexpected because Jesus was supposed to die and then he did die. But then these group of people stood up and they continued the work of Jesus, right? And so um, you see the fear of God coming on not just the spiritual realm, but on the people. It, it says in many places in the book of Acts, we miss this, but it says that the people were greatly afraid. Now I don't see that about the church today. You know, the, you know, the church becomes the first institution that people want to mock. You know, um, and, and and the reason is. Is, is because this, these two giftings, the, the prophetic um, ministry more so, but the apostolic has not been restored to its fullness. There's a guy um, called um, Dr. Bill Hammond. He writes a book about the apostles and the prophets and the coming news of God. And he says, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a student of the history of the church. And he says, of the last 50 years, God has been restoring his, his church. And so we see in the Middle Ages, um, the, the church really moved backwards. And it gives the history. I'm not going to go into that tonight. Talk to me afterwards if you're interested. But he says the, the church moved really back into the Dark Ages when the church didn't understand what they were called for. In the book of Acts, signs and wonders, all the, all the giftings were um, operating. And slowly but surely, since, since the Reformation, God has been restoring things to his church through the, the various revivals, the um, Reformation revival, the Great Awakening, all these revivals of the centuries. But then in the last 50 years, God has been restoring the Ephesians chapter 4 offices to the church. And those are the fivefold. And so the 1950s, God started with the evangelists. Those, that was the first office to be restored. So you would, um, you know, in the 1950s, um, you know, all these crusades crusade started, the healing um, healing meetings, healing was restored to the church, um, and you, you saw the starting of you know all the all the big evangelists, the, ben, uh, the Benny Hines, the um, Reinhard Bonkers, um, those were being restored. And it's interesting, Billy Graham's, all these guys, and it's interesting that all these guys, you know, they sort of just coming to the end of their ministry right now. And so we are sort of an interesting time where we God is transitioning us. You know, Got lots to say about that still. But then he says in the 1960s, God started restoring the, the pastoral ministry and the gift of the pastor. And then 1970s was the gift of the teacher. And he gives lots of um, you know, descriptions of the type of revival movements that were happening around this time. And then in the 1980s, there was a, there was a big move towards the prophetic, right? The office of the prophet was restored. And so... You know, the, the, the sort of things that we sort of, we sort of think is every day today about prophecy and what we saw here now and personal prophecy 
I mean, it's quite natural for us. We would sit in a small group and we'll give prophetic words to one another. Back then, it wasn't normal. It wasn't normal to the church. God had to restore the prophetic. And so that happened um, in the 80s and the 90s. And so the last gift that God is busy restoring um, is the apostolic gift, the gift of the apostle. And I believe that is what is necessary for the church to transition from being just a good family, the church is going to stay a good family, um, to an army. An army that, that there's, there's, there's love and um, that which we see in the book of Acts. So God is busy taking us back, full circle, back to the book of Acts. Shake someone next to you and say, back to the book of Acts. Back to the book of Acts. Back to the book of Acts. So some of you are going to begin to recognize that some of you might be called to the apostolic ministry. And just before I lose some of you, I want to break some boxes. Because some of us might think, well, the apostolic is someone that is called to full-time ministry in a church, in a church context. Now that's not true. You get, um, in, in modern day context, you get um, secular apostles. In fact, one of the marks of the apostles, according to me, according to what I see in scripture, is that apostle seamlessly transitions between the church and the secular world, right? They're very comfortable in a church setting, but they're also very comfortable in a worldly setting, whereas um, the other gifts, the gift of the teacher, the gift of the pastor, that they really struggle actually. They flourish in a church context, but in the world context, you know, they, there's a bit of uncomfortableness because they've just been wired and gifted to look after the fellowship of God. Whereas if you look at the apostles, they were, they were out of the church, mostly. Read the book of Acts. How much of the book of Acts happens in the walls of the church? Almost nothing. Very little. There's a couple of discussions. So, the apostles were those that were in, went into the world. In fact, um, most of the apostles didn't have a full-time church. They were going from town to town, from village to village, seeking and pursuing the kingdom of God. Some of them were business people, like Paul, um, but they were apostles. They had an absolute love and respect for the church, right? So they would always come back to the, the first apostles. They would always come back to Jerusalem, for instance. Then later on we had apostles and prophets at Antioch and, and the other churches. But the, early, the first apostles, they would come back to Pastor James. Right? James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So these apostles, and remember James wasn't one of the twelve. You know, he was the brother of Jesus. And so he became the pastor. God had appointed and chosen him to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So these apostles would come back to the church, they would submit themselves to the church, they would receive from Pastor James, you know. Um, but he had the gift of a pastor. He was also an apostle. He wrote um, the, the book, uh, the epistle of James. Um, but he was the pastor, right? But the apostles were moving. They were transitioning. They felt very comfortable in the world. They didn't have this, you know, strange thing, you know, secular, sacred, they couldn't transition, but it was natural to them. Right, so, those are apostles. It could be in the church, but it could also be someone with a passion for the church, but out there, somewhere in the world, pursuing the kingdom of God. 
God is busy, I believe, raising up all kinds of um, apostolic people. And so, you know, this, this evening, you know, it might sound a bit up there, but I've just discovered that, you know, when something's on God's heart, Mark chapter 16 says that they were preaching and the Holy Spirit confirmed with signs and wonders. And so, you know, today's not, not necessarily maybe a personal message or something that you can apply to your own life, but it's more a spiritual declaration. Sometimes we minister into the Spirit and God just opens up something. And He begins to release people. And, and, and some of you, like I said, you already connecting the dots with something that God has been sharing with you. So Acts chapter 5, I said this earlier, verse 11, And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The signs of the true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. One of the signs of the apostle is the ministry of signs, wonders and miracles. Right? So, you know, there's, there's not an apostle that doesn't function in these. If someone says that they're apostle, then you ask them, or where is the emphasis on the signs, wonders and miracles? We don't follow signs, wonders and miracles. They follow us. They follow those that believe. And so many times people are gifted administratively, right? But one needs to have that focus. If you again look at the early church, they were, they were walking around setting people free. The first commission that Jesus gives them is, is go heal the sick. He calls them, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, he calls them and he says, I, I called you to be with me and then to go, to preach, to heal the sick. Um, and with signs and wonders following. Numbers chapter 11 verse 29. So those are the apostles. And let's move on to the, the prophets. The prophets, let me just actually jump to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 20, 28. God has put these in the church. First apostles, second prophets. So you see God's order um, you know, and God, God is the, He builds His church, right? That's our vision this year. He builds His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. He, he gives us the keys of this kingdom, but He does it. He makes it happen. And so, so there's many, many people that would say, well, the church needs to do this and the church needs to do this. And the church needs to become more re relevant to society. And so we need to adopt um, all these techniques and do these things to become more effective and efficient and more relevant to the world. Those are all good and well, but you know what? God has His way. And His way is in the Bible. So He doesn't have another way. God doesn't, God doesn't wake up some morning and think, oh, we missed it. You know, we should have actually done things like this or this, or, you know, like the business world, the sufficient. He doesn't think like that. He's given us His Word. He's given us the biblical pattern, right, for His kingdom. Ephesians, and I'm now preaching in reverse here tonight. Chapter 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Right? Those two ministries. And so many people today, and especially the cessationists, I've 
shared a message on the cessationists that say um, the gifts are not for today, it was back then. They would say, well, as the, the apostolic and the prophetic, that's not for, for today either. Um, that was for back then to establish the church. And so the foundation that uh, Paul is talking about then in Corinthians is, um, you know, Peter, James, John, all these apostles. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that's part of it. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. But I believe it's more dynamic than that. There's a foundation for us today of apostles and prophets. Otherwise, the church automatically becomes irrelevant, right? Because, because the church becomes a nice place to be, right? A, a good fellowship. But the church is not advancing the kingdom. I want to read a quote from um, John Booth writes a book called The Mission of God. I you will like this. Then he speaks about a group of Christians um, in, in Europe. They were like the pioneers of the church in England. They were called the Puritans. Listen to what he says about the Puritans and then you, you compare it to the church today. But it says, the Puritans exemplified maturity. We don't. Spiritual warfare made the Puritans what they were. They accepted conflict as their calling, seeing themselves as the Lord's soldier pilgrims, not expecting to be able to advance a single step without a position of some sort of another. Today, however, the Christians in the West are found to be the whole passionless, passive, and one fears prayerless. See, Matthew, I told you you're going to like that. But isn't that a reflection of the church today? I don't know if you, you notice it, but he says that they accepted that part of the calling was that they're going to advance, but there's going to be resistance. The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And so there is a real battle, there's a real war that happens. And so if you're going to advance for the kingdom, there's going to be resistance. Now, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but today in our theology and our thinking in the church is if you step out and you get hit, then you're like, I must have done something wrong. You know, why is God's blessing not on me? Why, why don't I feel comfortable in the favor of God? That's the paradigm of the modern church. Whereas these guys, they knew they were in a battle. And so when they were advancing, they knew, but it's just part of life. It's part of understanding of the kingdom there will be resistance. And so we need to push through. We need to push through wisely and we need to push through prayerfully. But there is a real, real battle. And, and I believe that the apostles of that time directed and led the church, the prophets and the apostles. The prophets are meant to help us to see, right? Um, they have the gifting of sight so they can see what is happening and they foretell what God does. And so many prophets are, today are not in the church, right? Um, they're sitting outside of the church. And so the church, many times because the church doesn't like the prophets because they're like weird. You know, they say weird stuff and they see weird things. And so we're uncomfortable with that. And, you know, many times they're very eccentric. And so they don't into the box of what it means to be a good Christian. And so, a couple of years ago, some of you might remember, 
we would go to the holistic fair, um, put up a stall and pray. Kathleen remember, remembers she, um, she's laughing because she remembers those days. We would like pray for pray for like anything. Like we would do spiritual readings and like you know what happens at the trans outreaches which we're going to do at the end of June. Um, but we would do lots of weird things. And, but the amazing thing is, well, firstly, all the very new age people would come to us and say, you know, you, you know there's like a light around you guys. And, but then some would say, you're stealing our aura. You know, when you guys are around, it's not happening. The flow's not happening. But you would talk to these people, these psychic readers and, and healers and all these people, and you would realize that they have a prophetic gifting. And some of them even were offended in the church. They were in church. They were prophetic people in church, and they just got hurt from church, and they just went out there in the world. And obviously, they backslid, and they fell into um, to dark things. But still, the prophetic. God says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. God will not remove His calling. And so, the prophets have been given to us, and it's interesting. That the two giftings that God says are supposed to lead the church, the one, the one is the only gifting we see in the Old Testament. Of the fivefold, there's one gifting in the Old Testament. That's the prophet. The prophet. Okay. Now we don't see any um, ending of the prophetic ministry, right? Um, there's a there's a little bit of, of the shift in the prophetic in that. The prophets of old prophesied of Jesus' coming, and now Jesus had come, right? And so there's, there's a mood change, because no longer is, um, is there mourning because of sin and um, lamentation, because Jesus has returned, right? And so like Kathleen says, you know, it's encouraging, it's exciting, the battle is, has, has been won. So there's, there's none of that defeatist prophecy doom and gloom, right? The, 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 the prophecy is encouraging, it's, it's life. But the ministry has not ended, right? The scripture makes it very clear when we look at the old covenant and the new covenant, it will explicitly say, this has stopped, right? You know, if, if something has changed in the New Testament, so for instance, um, you know, the writers of the New Testament over and over tell us that ceremonial um, you know, killing, killing of animals on behalf of sin, that was just, it was fulfilled in Jesus. So that was just a reflection of Christ to come. So we don't do that today, right? Um, again, in the book of Acts, we see this whole struggle that the Jews had about the Gentiles and then um, eating of meat, right? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay? We got past that one. We are new covenant believers. Praise Jesus. We can eat meat, right? Um, but the scripture will explicitly say that has come to an end. We don't see that with the, the office of the prophet. That is still the only continuing um, gifting that we still have. And then the first instituted office is the office of the apostle, right? The, the 12 were chosen to be apostles. And then only God adds the gifts of evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Now, what I'm not saying tonight is that um, the other giftings are less significant. Now, they have all equal value. All five are necessary. If one of the five is missing, it's an unbalanced church. So, very practically, 
um, you know, in our church, we make sure that we have people from different callings and giftings minister so that the church is healthy, so the church is balanced, right? But if one is missing, the church goes skew, right? If the teacher is missing, guess what? We're going to get really weird, right? And we're going to miss the point because they're not going to root us and ground us in the word. You know, that, that's the gifting of the, and the calling of the teacher. So those are really crucial. If the pastors are missing, guess what? There's going to be no church. Everyone's going to be out there and, you know, it's, it's, you know, they keep us together, right? They are equally important in value. But that doesn't mean that it, there is not an order that God has instituted the apostles and the prophets. First out those two ministries and then follow the others. Um, if you flip it around, then we see what happens many times. Those giftings don't find their rightful place and eventually they just, they just leave, right? And so we really need to trust the, the Lord. And, and that's the amazing thing about Ephesians chapter 4. And it says that these giftings are there to make um, the saints, to make us mature in our ministry, because the saints are called to do the work of the ministry. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the five of are just there to equip the saints to go, to empower the saints to be effective. Um, this guy, Dr. Bill Hammond, he says, he, he prophesies over over this, this period after which God has restored the gift of apostles and he, he calls it um, the saints movement. The saints movement where this, the focus is not going to be on the evangelist, this great guy, this you know, big guy that gets millions to crusade, nor is it going to be on the pastor with the big church or the teacher that's very gifted to divide the word, nor is it going to be on this awesome prophet or the apostle the focus is going to be on the saints that are going to go into the world and change, literally change and flip the world upside down. That's the sort of army that God is, is busy raising up. I don't know about you, but I see signs of that already Amen. in the church today. More than ever, you know, I think, if I think back over the last 15 years, I've seen so much of a change with the, with the, with the, um, the, the member of the church is so empowered today, so equipped, right? We really have no excuse because we've really got everything, you know, at our disposal. There's so much great teaching, so much, and also the world has changed so much in terms of technology that enables us to be equipped. And so I really believe that that is the truth. God, obviously, he's, he's busy. He's busy. He said, work in the world. He said, work it in every aspect of life, busy preparing us for this, this end-time harvest. That's going to come in. And, and as when that comes in, the scripture says, then the end will come. Right? When the saints really step up to what God has, has called us to. So the prophet, the prophetic, that is still for today. Um, in fact, all of us are called to the prophetic. Moses said in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, Are you jealous for my sake? With that, with that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit on them. He says, I wish that everyone prophesied. And we see the continuation of this in the book of Corinthians, chapter 14. Paul says, you know, I wish all of you prayed in tongues, but more so that you prophesied. 
So we, decide, we see the same thing. Moses, being an Old, Old Testament prophet, he said, I wish everyone prophesied, um, which they couldn't. There, was, there were stages and times of divine visitation where the Holy Spirit came upon more than just the king's priests and prophets. Um, but most it was just the king's priests and prophets that had the Holy Spirit and the ability to prophesy. The New Testament, we all can prophesy. In fact, we are supposed to come to church prophesying. So blessed by, you know, you know, we've really had a shift in our church. I don't know if you've realized that, noticed it. But, you know, in the last year or so, you know, you know, we sort of would encourage people to prophesy, but now it's just, this is the overflow, right? There's, there's like, there's, there's more than enough of the prophetic. Amen. And now we're beginning to just zoom into what, is, what God is saying. You know, so there's been a transition in that way, and I believe God is here in this church preparing us for um, the next stage. Luke chapter 11, verse 49. This is what God in His wisdom said about you. This is Jesus speaking. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. Now, interestingly, Jesus mentions two of those gifts, the apostles and the prophets. And in fact, he tell, many times he, he focuses on this thing. He tells the parable of the landowner that, you know, he, he planted a vineyard, he built... Um, you know, things for the harvest. He got the whole setup together and ready. Then he appointed stewards. Remember that parable. And then one by one, that's symbolic of the prophet. Um, the master would send a servant and another servant and another servant and eventually he sent his son. Right? We, we obviously know today, you know, what that means very clearly. You know, God sent prophet after prophet after prophet and the, the people of God, the Jewish people, actually killed the prophets or at least persecuted them. But but interestingly here, it says the apostles and prophets, and they weren't even, you know, that gifting wasn't even functioning when Jesus said this. But he says those two giftings are persecuted and, um, and, and killed, right? Again, because those two giftings are there to really mobilize the church, to really advance the kingdom. Right? Because Jesus is about his kingdom. Right? His kingdom is not an abstract something. His kingdom is here now. When Jesus preaches up, his kingdom arrives. Right? When the finger of God comes, in other words, his presence comes, there is his kingdom. And so the apostles and prophets, they are the main giftings that are there to mobilize the church towards what the church needs to be. Are we going to pray tonight? Amen. Are you ready just to say, God, I'm here. I'm available. Are you ready just to say, God, um, I'm not, I'm not going to perform, but I'm going to partner. Amen. I want to see what you are doing. And some of us, maybe in our giftings, we don't see because we need the prophetic people to help us to see. And so that's why community is so important. That's why it's so important that you find, um, you know, like Michelle was saying, a small group, a community, a group of believers that you know these people are different to me. And I remember when I came to the church, it was really difficult because the people in my small group were really weird. Right? They were really so different gifting-wise that I like, every time I was like, I don't know, you know, these people are weird, man. I would have never been friends with those people if it wasn't for God. 
But I mean, now that some of the best friends that I have, I still have a relationship with them. Um, but but it's because there's this different of giftings. We completely think completely differently, but they are such a blessing to me. I need them because they think different to me. So find a group of people that are different than you. You know what we do in the church? We find some people that are like us. Then we gather together and, you know, we get a reason on, you know, what to connect on. And sometimes it can, you know, the devil actually hijacks it and gets us to get negative. Why is the church always so and so and so and so? Why does that always happen and then eventually we become offended and God in His grace comes and He helps us sometimes. Right, but but find people that are different to you. Go to small group. If if you're in the working district, I mean, counter two is happening this Wednesday. Marianne's very excited about that. Lots of excited people. Go to encounter two. In fact, the whole working district are going to do um, encounter two. If you're a part of the families, go and join them. But go Wednesday and allow God. It's really just an opportunity for God to say, make us a team. Come and do something in us that we're not just a group of individuals that come to church. No, we're all the Lord's prophets. Amen. Right? We're all here to make a difference, to advance the kingdom, and to find our place. To find our role. Don't be, don't be, don't come to church being a spectator. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but the most obvious one, it's it's boring, right? You don't want to just watch what God is doing. You want to be doing what God is doing. You want to be part of the adventure. So. You know, the church of today, it's no longer enough just to come to church. You must be the church. Amen. Because that's what God has called us to be, to be the church. And it's exciting, it's adventurous because God is doing things. Will you stand with me tonight? Because like I said, we want to get to the praying and anointing tonight. I want to ask all the district leaders, the elder deacon,